Hi, welcome back. My name is uh, Marjorie Kinney. I'm a clinical psychologist, and this podcast or this blog, however you've you've gotten to find me, is about well-being at any time in your life, but also I'm making this particularly during Corona time when I know a lot of people are struggling at home and dealing with depression or anxiety or just the struggles of this, these difficult and unknown times. What I like to do is introduce little activities or little ideas. So one of the things I really like about the newer wave in psychology and particular something called positive psychology but also other branches is you can make such really big changes in your mood and your feeling in your life through small and fun activities we don't have to do you know two years of psychoanalytic theory lying on the couch talking about our mothers to really make a difference in how we're feeling on day to day we can do um, mind body awareness mindfulness meditation And today I'm going to introduce an activity to you guys that not only will help you in times of social isolation or social distancing, but also is a really good tool and an effective evidence-based tool to fight depression. Before I get to it, before I explain it, I am going to say the D word again (laughs) for the second time today or third time depression. So I want to talk a little bit about what depression is, what it looks like, and then shoot on ahead and tell you about this really cool activity. So what what is depression? What does it look like? Um, depression can have actually a lot of different faces depending on who has it and how it's um, being expressed. So it can look like what we're used to, right? The old Eeyore, Ooh, I'm so depressed, I don't have any friends. But it doesn't actually always look like that. So depression can be intense sadness. That can be part of it. It may be expressed in feelings of guilt. Or there may be bouts of crying, more crying than usual. Depression often has or often is expressed in a change in sleep patterns or appetite patterns. And again, these can look differently. Some people have trouble sleeping. Maybe they can't fall asleep or they're waking up really early in the morning and can't go back to sleep. Or other people sleep a lot more than they used to sleep. Same thing with appetite. Some people may express a loss of appetite, so they just aren't really interested in food at all, whereas other people eat a lot more than they're used to. Depression can also involve a lot of irritability, that snappiness, or anxiousness, anxiety about things, worrying a lot more. Many people have concentration problems or suddenly have a hard time making decisions. And most people, regardless of what the other symptoms look like, most people who are suffering from depression show or experience rather a lack of interest in things that used to make them happy. So this means maybe they don't enjoy meeting up with their friends anymore like they used to. Maybe the you know they're not enjoying a good meal anymore or their favorite shows anymore. And things that used to bring pleasure and make one happy just isn't isn't cutting it anymore. In addition to 
a lack of interest in your old activities, the other clear marker of um, depression is a depressed mood. And a depressed mood, a lot of people mix this up. It may not be sadness. It might just be a dampening of all feelings. So a lot of times you'll hear people say, I just don't really feel anything anymore. We all have bad days. We all are sad sometimes. Um, but depression is different. It has these other symptoms as well and lasts for two weeks or more. So you're feeling like a lack of interest in your uh, old activities or having a depressed mood or the other symptoms for most of all days. So most of the day and for most of the days for over two weeks period. And then this isn't just the period of down days, then then we would say you have depression. Statistically, more women tend to have depression than men. So it's slightly higher statistics there. About one in five people will report having one depress one episode of depression during their life. So that's a lot of people, you guys. And at any one time, so let's say we just looked at one year and said, okay, who who experienced a depressive episode this one year? It's about 7.1% of the U.S. population. And since a lot of my listeners are from Germany, where I'm living and located right now, the stats there are a bit higher. So we see about 11% of the population having experienced a depressive episode in any particular year. High risk age is about between 18 and 25, but that doesn't mean that um, people in other age areas won't experience depression. That's certainly not the case at all. Okay, a long time ago I read a quote and I really wish I had written down where I had read it because it really, it stuck with me. I know it was many years ago and, and I still think about it a lot. And that is that depression is the most selfish disease. And what the author meant by that is when you're caught in the throes of depression, when you're really at the bottom, you tend to get caught in your own thoughts and thinking of yourself. You feel you may feel bad for yourself. You may feel guilty. You may be dealing with a lot of guilt. It may be difficult for you to help take care of other members of your family or people you're living with or even accomplish day-to-day chores that have to be done. And this is just all part of the picture of depression. It's it's the these vicious circles of thoughts is getting stuck in perceptions of yourself that may not really be true, thinking you're not as good at certain tasks or other areas in your life which might not be the case, it's it's the depression talking here, but it's very hard to get out of these cycles. And I, I, anyone who's listening to this who has experienced depression, you know what I'm talking about. It's you're talking yourself down the whole day, and it's usually thoughts about yourself, your own capabilities, your own, um, what you think are your own weaknesses. Or what I'd also like to address the people who've ever lived with someone with depression before. You also are going through a really big battle if you're living with someone with depression. It can be such a challenge. So you're going to be going through your own struggles, including probably, among other things, a lot of frustration. 
why is this person behaving like this? Why you might be thinking things like, why can't they just pull themselves together? Or finding yourself saying things like, oh, come on, chin up. It's going to get better soon. You might be feeling a lot of anger towards the person suffering with depression or about depression itself. Uh, you may be feeling like you're not being appreciated or that the person you're caring about, you're loving with depression is ungrateful towards you, ungrateful of all that you've been doing, or maybe just too clingy, too needy. And as I mentioned before, maybe you feel like you're being left alone with the household work or taking care of the kids. Perhaps most significantly of all is most relationships in which one person has depression. The person not suffering feels like the relationship needs are not being met. And like the things that they need, you know, they're just not receiving that from, from their other half. So not only is it difficult to live with depression, it's difficult to live with someone with depression. Um, it sounds funny, but depression is one of my favorite topics. Uh, I talk about it a lot. So in America, it's not really a big deal. Everyone talks about their, their, or it's more open to talk about your struggles with mental health and going to therapists here in Germany. It's still a big taboo topic. So a lot of people still won't, don't feel comfortable mentioning that they have depression or had depression or that someone in their family has depression. And that's too bad because it's, uh, as I mentioned, you know, if, if one in five people have one depressive episode in their life, and by the way, if you've had one episode, you're at, a, it's likely that you'll have more episodes, then this is, you know, this is something that a lot of people struggle with, and there's no need to be ashamed of it. Certainly, certainly helps to be able to talk about it openly. And depression is something I've experienced a lot in my personal and my professional life. My doctoral research was on postpartum depression, so that's the depression that many women, also about one in five, and also men experience after the birth of a child. My thesis was, of course, on the same topic, on depression, on, on this depression right after the birth of a child. I've lived with people who have had depression, I've loved people who have had depression, and I've had a lot of struggles with depression in my own life. So when I talk about these <laughs> activities and tips and stuff that I'm giving you, I'm not talking, you know, I don't want you to picture me with like my, pushing my, my glasses back up on my nose as Dr. Kinney, telling you what I think is best for your life. No, these are actually tools that I use to help deal with um, or to battle against the fight against the depression that comes and goes in my life too. And they're things that work for me. And that's why I'm talking about this openly with you guys that I hope through my professional and personal experience, I can share a lot of uh, great tools for you guys. So back to the topic of depression being uh, a disease of selfishness. I read once that the, the best medicine for dealing against depression is to do something for somebody else. So right at that moment, whether it's when you're waking up in the morning or in the evenings when you're going, oh no, I'm starting to feel like crap again. That's the exact perfect time to take out your medicine bottle. And in this case, the medicine bottle is 
taking the attention, taking the focus away from yourself and investing it into people around you that you care about. Your friends, your family, maybe a neighbor who needs some help. And to do something nice for them. This can be something really little. For example, maybe you just, there's been a friend who's been really good to you in the last couple of weeks and you've kind of dropped your side of the relationship and haven't been keeping in touch and just be a one-line sentence saying, hey, I've been thinking about you. I'm thankful for your help. Maybe it's a phone call to someone who uh, you haven't talked to in a while. Maybe it's writing a, a nice letter, a nice note, or especially in these corona times saying, okay, I, I know the old lady across the street can't go grocery shopping. I'm going to go do that for her. Maybe even it's a bigger activity. Anything that you're doing for somebody else is a great way to start. And this activity um, that I'm about to talk about is, again, from positive psychology. I've talked about this in previous episodes, that positive psychology is a a newer form of psychology, um, also used in psychotherapy, where we're not just looking at symptoms and illnesses, rather we're we're using people's strengths. We're using uh, the things that people are good at, and we're amplifying that. We're also looking at healthy people and how to make healthy people even healthier, happier, or more robust and resilient. And this activity from Positive Psychology is called the Gratitude Visit. And what you do is you find, you you think of someone in your life who's made a really positive impact on you. Maybe it's been a teacher or a religious leader or a neighbor, someone who made a big impact, a big difference in your life and who you haven't yet gotten around to thanking. Then you write them a letter, a letter of gratitude, a letter explaining how they have helped your life and why you're thankful for it. And it's recommended that this letter is about two pages, so about 500 words. That would be a two-page double-spaced letter. You type it up. (laughs) And then, ideally, so if we're not, once we're over the corona visit, or the corona time, you'd actually ideally go visit that person and read the letter out loud. So you find someone in your life or you remember someone in your life who's made a really big impact on on you on your life you write down all the things that you're grateful for all the ways they've improved your life in a letter and you'd write the letter down and go visit them and read it out loud to them now in the coronavirus period maybe we can't do that but maybe you could record yourself maybe you would do an audio recording maybe you could make a video and send it to this person. So this is a simple activity, you know, let's say maybe about two hours of your time, but it has a really long lasting effect. And this is for me where things get really interesting. This gratitude visit, as it's been called, has actually been studied in in research, in, in published papers. And in 2005, Zalig, Dean Park, and Pete, Peterson published their paper describing this method and they showed that when they compared this method of gratitude, of the gratitude visit, to other interventions, that the participants who did this letter actually 
showed the least amount of depression and were the happiest compared to the other participants. And further research has now shown, so now I'm referencing a paper from 2017 by O'Connell, O'Shea, and Gallagher that showed it's not just the gratitude, it's not just the activity of writing down your thankfulness, but actually the, the delivery the saying it out loud is just as important. So that's why when you write this, it's important not to just write down the letter and then send it, but actually to say the words out loud. And if you can, maybe later or maybe in a video chat or a Zoom chat, to actually do this face-to-face -face with the person that is the focus of your, your positive attention right now. Just as a little side note, it's great if the person who you have, who you're expressing gratitude is alive. Now, sometimes I know this may be a person who you're not able to reach or perhaps they've already passed away. And in this case, you can do an empty chair exercise where you would kind of act out the scene. You would, in fact, read out your letter out loud and read it to an empty chair who represents the person that you're grateful for. You may even want to place this chair in a particular way that symbolizes your relationship. So maybe the chairs are really close together with someone you were really close to. Maybe it was a teacher who, you know, there was a bit more of a formal setting and you want to put the chairs in a way that reflects that relationship. So even if the person isn't alive and you can't actually express your gratitude one-on-one, -on -one, Reading your letter out loud is an important part of the step, and you could do this with an empty chair activity. Now, gratitude is anyway interesting in the fight against depression. So people, there's a lot of research investigating why, why are some people just kind of happier than other people? Why are they more satisfied with their lives than other people? And several articles uh, have come up with really interesting findings, which is that gratitude, people who express gratitude and practice gratitude have higher levels of self-esteem. They also have higher le levels of life satisfaction. They're more social. They have better or healthier relationships with other people. And by expressing gratitude, on a regular basis, so making this part of your your well-being regime, your well-being diet, they're actually able to build more and more positive emotions over time. And this leads to a more sustainable level of happiness. So you're actually, by expressing gratitude on a regular basis, you're making yourself happier and happier and less susceptible to you know those down days or those bad experiences you're, you're building up your resiliency and i think that's really fascinating i talked about uh, in a previous episode the positivity journals and this is the same idea so th this expression of gratitude is a great way to fight depression and i think that's a really that's a really magical thing. You're not only making other people happy in your life. Think about how amazing it's going to be for the person receiving your letter. But you're also making yourself happier. Cool stuff. Cool research. Isn't psychology fascinating? 
All right, you guys, I'd really like to hear back from you. Who did you write your letter to? Who are you thankful for? What kind of great things did they teach you? What kind of lessons did you learn from them? And how did they react when, if maybe, if you were able to read it to them out loud or send them a Zoom or however it was you were able to communicate your your feelings of gratitude to those important people in your life. Thank you for listening. Be well, be kind. You'll be hearing from me again soon. Thank you.